What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Okay, you know, like at camps and stuff like this, you take the ball out. You ain't getting the ball back. <laughs> like, you the last one up the court. They already did their thing. So I stopped there, and I just got into a rhythm and started hooping. The Lakers should sign Trey Young this summer. They got to kind of start preparing for, like, if LeBron's last year is this year or next year, whenever it is. And I feel like a uh, pick and roll with AD and a guy like Trey Young would be deadly. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Got my PrevNAR 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated, but, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't give Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Jamal Charlo says he wants to be the king of the jungle. There's no way you can tame a lion. And that's me. And that's me. Dennis Hogan for the middleweight championship on Showtime. Picture this. Late night. I'm riding down a dark street. And it's two naked chicks. Right? It's two naked chicks. Running down the street. One is the X-Miss Universe. The other is ex-Miss America. It's a dark night. They're running down the street naked. I don't know why I'm down the street, but I was smoking and I made a wrong turn. I stopped and they brought, can you help us, help us? I'm like, fuck yeah, I help y'all. Y'all naked? Y'all big ass titties and shit? Get in. Going, uh, I get to start to drive and I get to ask them like, what the fuck y'all running from? You know, cause you know, you see motherfuckers running, you just, Start running too, so I just hit the gas, you know. But it's it's hard for me to not think that these motherfuckers are naked in the back seat, right? So while I'm driving, I'm getting the boner, right? So I'm trying to focus, you know. So I don't know what they running from. All I'm thinking now is I'm getting laid, okay? Damn, what they running from? Damn, who gonna kill us? At least I'm gonna get one off when we die, right? So um, that's how y'all want me to paint the story, like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what you was painting the picture yeah. right there. 
Oh my goodness, dog. We could have we started the show with that shit. That's the case. I was in character right there, dog. Episode 7. All the smoke. Welcome back. Siete. My brethren in, in, in mine. What's up, my brother? This episode, we're going to go in depth into me and uh, Jack's crazy journey through the NBA. Tell some personal stories, some ups, some downs, and uh, hope you guys enjoy it. That's right. So today we're going to talk about the last of a dying breed, which was trash talking in the NBA. Me and Jack caught the end of it. We missed the greats like Gary Payton and guys like that that really got in your face and really talked shit. Jack liked to talk shit. He got a big mouth. He liked to talk. I wasn't really someone that talked. I kind of was a retaliator. But um, you got a dope story about you and Kobe going at it and how your team ended their quest for a four-peat. I was known to trash talk. You know, yeah. that's one one of my best assets because nine out of ten times, a guy ain't going to fight in the game, okay? They don't want to fight. For all y'all that watch NBA games, half of them guys do it for TV. They wouldn't throw a punch and wouldn't bust a grape in the fruit fight, okay? So do not think they want to fight. It's all for TV. So I knew that at times, and, and, and you know what I'm saying? I really pushed the, you know, pushed the envelope because I knew I was ready to go, but I knew they weren't. So sometimes that got me 8 to 10 points just punking a motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Our whole so team, I, we used to punk motherfuckers that we believed in. That's a, that's a part that. of the game. We punked Dallas. If we see that you're scared, we're going to take advantage of it, right? Blood so I used to do that to a lot of people, and I was, I was always talking shit. I even won the Trash Talk Award, the Big Three, which was nothing. But... Um, <laughs> I remember, you know, <laughs> playing against Kobe, man. Kobe used to talk trash, but it's hard to kind of go back and forth with him, not only because he shoot a lot, but he making the motherfuckers. He's a bad motherfucker. And you don't get that many attempts. No, I'm not even close. So I got, I finally got a post up on him. You know what I mean? I got the ball on the post. I'm backing him down. You know, I'm looking at him like, I'm a little nigga. And I'm finna, you know, that's how I'm looking at him. Hit him with the shoulder. I turn around and shoot it. He just, wow, whole arm off, right? The referee, I'm on the baseline. The referee right there. So I turn and look at the referee. Kobe takes off with the ball. I'm like, what the fuck? So I'm talking to the referee, arguing with him. And um, as I'm talking to the ref, I'm Kobe is saying something to me. Like, you better pay attention. Like, you know what I'm saying? Fuck all that. Because I, I start saying something to Kobe, too, about hacking ass. You know what I'm saying? So as I'm talking to the referee, Kobe shoots like 10 feet from the three-point line. Net. And gives me a little smirk. <laughs> like, look at me. And then the referee look at me like... Like, he on Kobe's side. You know what I'm saying? Kobe just run down the court just talking to me like I'm a kid. And next thing you know, Pop just subbed me out the game. So I'm on the <laughs> sideline looking like I was just a bump. You know what I mean? Like, Kobe, one, th one thing about Kobe, he going to talk to you and he going to get every shot. And you're not going to get the same amount of attempts no, as him. Close. You know what I mean? So Kobe was, people don't know, Kobe talk a lot of trash, bro. Yeah. It might not be curse words. It might be nothing like that. But it's just what he going to do to you. And he'll tell you before he do it. And he'll still do it. He'll still do Nothing it. you can do to stop it. I mean, my shit too was, our shit was a little bit of back and forth talking that situation in Orlando with the ball fake, but it was more the grabbing, the elbow in. I caught a tip dunk that he tried to block the white shot and he left me open and I went and tip junked and I was coming off the rim and motherfucker tried to elbow me on my nuts. So it just came to a point, like you said, <laughs> where he fouled you right in front of the refs and the refs act like they motherfucking Ray Charles at the time. Like, bitch, you know you motherfucking it. saw that. Exactly. Right? So it came to a point in Orlando where he was doing all this dirty shit and I would get caught retaliating. So I got a me couple too. fouls. I got one T. Uh, but it's bullshit, like you said, because you got to do everything you can to stop him knowing goddamn well. 
I know in my situation, he took like 30 shots that game. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> motherfucker, it takes, it takes me six job. games to get 30 shots. You know what I mean? So it was tough, but battling him was always fun. But I used to tell people guarding him, he tries to mentally fuck you too because physically, you know, there's it, it, nothing much you could do with him. But he tries to get that mental battle too, whether it's talking shit, elbowing you, Getting grabbing you. You know, the pump faking you 18 times and then you jump and he barely slit, you know, <laughs> slides against you and the ref calls a foul. So it was a motherfucking battle. Just like I said, but that was my favorite. Whenever I played, I was just like, hell yeah, I get to play Cove tonight. You know what I mean? And my whole thing is you're not going to start great offense with good defense regardless. You just want to make them work for everything. Make it difficult on them. Make them work. You know, no easy, no, no easy layups. You go to the basket, I'm going to foul the shit. I'm not giving you no easy layups. Um, I'm gonna make you work for everything, and if you make, if you make, <clears throat> if you even though having thirty points, I want you to take thirty shots. You remember when Golden State, when we, me and him, was going back to back in uh -huh. threes? Yeah, was we going at winning it. the game. We beat him. Yeah, we, yeah. He, he was talking. To, he was looking like, man, come on. He came. I'm talking about. He was hitting some crazy shots at the end of that game. Sick. Dog. So you briefly touched on it. I mean, amongst that shit talking and back and forth between you and Kobe, you guys ended their streak for four in a row mm -hmm. in San Antonio. Yeah. That's when you got your first ring. Yeah, I mean, it was a dominant team. Nobody wanted to play the Lakers. Nobody. They had mm -hmm. been Shaq dominant over the Spurs. Definitely, Tim and Dave couldn't get couldn't get over that hump. I know they won that bullshit uh, championship in '99. The Spurs did, but oh, with the short season, yeah, that short season. But the Lakers, they couldn't get past the Lakers mm -hmm. I, that year. It was basically guaranteed that they was gonna win again. We had kind of struggled with them during the regular season because Kobe and Shaq was just a little bit too much. But I think Tim had it in his mind, no matter what, no matter who was on the court, I'm finna be the best player from game one. I think the first game he had like a 20 and 20. Like he was, that was his like standard the whole series and he made it a point to guard Shaq to the point where he was playing so well Kevin Willis was coming off the off the bench getting tip dunks and you know blocking Shaq shot you know so he I think just having Tim Duncan and where his mind was that was the only reason we was able to stop their four Pete you know and, and to see Kobe and, and Shaq and them over there crying and you know Derek Fisher and them over there crying it, it was a good feeling bro because that was my First year, that I actually felt like I was in the league. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like I belonged, so, and I had, and you know, being on a, on a chance to win a championship, that was special to stop them too. That's what's up. But uh, you know, it was crazy for me because I'd always battle Kobe. You know, even dating back to when he first came to LA, he used to come up to UCLA and play and you got and a chance work to play out with him, though. You know what I mean? But then to be able to, you know, have someone that I looked up to so much and loved mm -hmm. competing against competing with it was amazing and my first year there was we were going for their second three-peat um but i ended up tearing my meniscus i want to say in, in february i think that year uh, and that's the year they that we got swept by dallas and i think they beat dallas beat miami um in the, in the, in the finals but like i said getting a chance to play with him and seeing his day in day out preparation um, how hard he worked on his game, getting up in the morning and, and hitting the track and the weights. And I mean, like, it's still dark outside type shit. Like, he was just, I say, like an evil genius. You know what I mean? Like a beautiful mind. Like, he was so obsessed with being the best. and But he put the work in, too. So it was just amazing to be able to, you know, say that I battled to me against the, the second greatest player of all time. And then I was actually a, a teammate with them. For a little while too that shit was dope man like i said i learned a lot he wasn't wasn't someone who was a very like a vocal he was a leader but he wasn't one of those yelling all the time vocal leader it was a situation when he spoke you listened and then he would just give you that motherfucking look mm -hmm. you know what i mean or that i mean you know you got to pass to him when he when he gives you his little mamba hiss mm -hmm. like you know he's open 
But it, it was really, it was just, you know, lead by example. If your best player is going to go out there every single night and leave it all out there, there's no excuse for no one else not to. I didn't, didn't get a chance to play with him, but I got a chance to play with him in the McDonald's All-American game in 96. Early on. And just his presence was was like it is now. It's a different energy. When he, when he walked in practice as a 17, 18-year-old, when he walked in practice, we all felt it. Like he was the next thing, the next mm -hmm. big thing, you know. And he was that good. But it, it was just – I was excited to be on this team in the McDonald's game because I – I knew how, you know, uh, the, the ceiling they had for him, and shit, he reached all those expectations. Mm -hmm. Hell of a run, man. So, we talking about experiences, you know, and, and, and the game, and, and, and our experiences not history of the game, and talk about being on the wrong side of, of history. You were a part of a team that everybody thought was going to be a championship team, even, you know, Guys that was in the league that played against y'all just knew y'all was on y'all way to the championship. Y'all were real close. Uh, y'all were up 3-1 against the Rockets. And everything went downhill hmm. with the team y'all had. Yeah. Tell me about that. That was an interesting series. That was our Lob City team. Very talented team. But for some reason or another, we just couldn't get over the hump. But we really felt like this 2015 season was the year. Uh, we beat San Antonio in a, in a crazy back-and-forth seven-game series. Who, who, who just the roster? Our roster, so who was it? It was CP, JJ, me, Blake, DJ. We had Big Baby off the bench, reigning six-man Jamal Crawford, Hito Turkoglu, Spencer Haas. Well, how did y'all fuck up the church money? I don't know, man. But it was back to that, well, I think it was game, game five. We were up a lot, and they benched James. So we're thinking, shit, okay, we're done. We're about to play the Warriors in the next round. But all of a sudden, they're benched led by Josh Smith, beat the fucking brakes off us. Just hitting threes, transition. They completely snatched the air out of, out of Staples Center. Jay Smooth went crazy on y'all? Crazy on us, hitting threes, dunking. He just led the bench. Like I said, Jay, they had benched James. So mm -hmm. we figured, okay, uh, you know, I can't wait. We're going home to play Golden State to see who goes to the finals. And uh, they came back, beat us in that game, game five, game six, and game seven. We didn't stand a chance. Really? They just... They they handed it to us and like what changed like I don't know just that big word that word momentum it was momentum just the shift. momentum shift and it was almost like there was nothing to do uh, nothing we could do to get it back game seven they closed it out um, well and they then, were beating y'all they y'all was up three one yeah they came back they, and they, they came beat, back and then swept yeah. us you I mean basically we were up three one and got swept which was crazy too because that's the year Golden State won their first championship but if you take it back the year before that 2014 we were the last team to knock them out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We knew they were going to be something to reckon with. We just, you know, still thought we had the upper hand on them. So everyone was expecting that Clippers, Golden State, Western Conference Finals. And, you know, the winner was going to play LeBron. Houston took them there, too. They battled. They definitely battled. You know what I mean? But, you know, Golden State got over the hump. And then, uh, you know, that was the beginning of uh, of their run. But definitely just a missed opportunity with that Lob City team as a whole. Uh, what was the locker room like afterwards? Walking the locker room. I know everybody was dead. sick. Sick, dead. Lost your dog. It was, it was tough, man. Your girlfriend man. found your bad phone. Ooh, that feeling. That's a horrible Ooh, feeling. That's man. I'm that's talking like about, when you see the lights in your rear view from the cop, and your <laughs> your motherfucking stomach just goes to the bottom of your stomach. Hey, you just put the blood heart. out, so you can't. Oh man, that's a hell of a feeling, bro. I had to swallow one one time. It wasn't that big, uh -huh. but had to. Yeah, I mean, that's like that's had like an edible. It's just nah, a rolled it edible. That, it tasted disgusting. Yeah, it tastes not Horrible. the same. 
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale 1 million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. But anyway, yeah, like I said, it was just a, just a missed opportunity for that team. We felt like we had so much talent, but the, I just really feel our weakness. Our kryptonite was was ourselves. You know, we kept getting in our way. You know, some guys butted heads, and, and the, the chemistry wasn't what it should be, but when the chemistry was on, it was magical. But what's crazy, what tripped me out about that team is we were so close off the court. Like, we all You don't think in. having a coach's son on the team had anything to do with it? I mean, that was an interesting experience. Dynamic. To have him come to the team. But he played well for us, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played well for us in the playoffs. I think it was a little interesting for him to get there, you know what I mean, for a father-son dynamic, because I know a lot of us on, on the team were pulling for Nate Robinson 
to get signed. Um, and they ultimately, you know, wanted to. Well, at that Austin. time, if you weigh. No, Austin was already on the team, but we were trying to get Nate because. But I'm saying as players, if you look right. at them, Nate, yeah. come on, Nate by yeah. far. But like I said, Austin came in and played well, and I kind of think that's when he put himself on the map. But I definitely think if there was a little bit of awkwardness um, when he first came. But, you know, with any situation, I'm sure a father-son would be awkward. Like as much as I love my son, I wouldn't say I wouldn't give him an opportunity, but I would rather him earn it. Yeah. I'm not saying Austin didn't deserve to be in the NBA. What I'm saying is I know his daddy gave him his big contract. So, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not saying if I was in that position, I probably would too, but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't want to have my players look at me a different yeah. way, think I'm sure I'm doing, you know what I'm saying? It was, it's uh, about uh, winning. Keep it 100. It was, there was some awkwardness, you know what I mean? And that's back when, you know, Doc had a lot of the power. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I want to say, if, if I wasn't, if I'm not mistaken, he was like president, GM, and head coach. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So that's a lot of different hats to wear. And Fuck it, I'm going to sign my son. 30 yeah. million. Come on, boy. You and, ain't got to be good. And that was really kind of the unrattling of that team. You know what I mean? I got into him with it that season. So I was motherfucking traded at 12.01 in the AM East Coast time. I was the first trade. East Coast um, time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then the pieces just started falling. I think JJ left next. Then Jamal left. JJ's so fucking cool, man. JJ's cool. I used to, JJ was damn, someone I, I didn't JJ. like until I played with him, and I love JJ. He the reason, did I tell you this? He's the reason why I, why I got rid of all my iced out watches. Was he? Because he came in there one day with a watch, just plain looking watch, and it was the, Crazy one expensive. of the most expensive watches, yeah. one of the most nicest watches ever. Mm -hmm. And he told me what my watch was really worth. I stopped wearing iced out watches. He respectfully just shit on your watch? Sh shut me down. <laughs> <laughs> Laughing at me, you right. know what I'm saying? But giving me game right. at the same time. JJ's Shout cool out JJ. You know, JJ's cool as shit. But I just think there was, you know, and, and when I talked to guys on their way out, you know, there was just a lot of grumbling. And I, like I said, I think it had a lot to do with all the hats Doc was wearing. But I think that's where, you know, they're back on top now mm -hmm. with you know with the chance to win a championship and i think it's good because now they have management in place and gms in place and presidents in place and doc can do what he does best mm -hmm. doc is a great coach great, he got great, he got some hell of assistant coaches around him great too. supporting cast but just a great motivator you mm -hmm. know a, a coach that's that's been a player and, and and had a successful career in as a player so he understands us and understands what's more important and he understands that the games are more important than practice and he really caters to his guys and he's big on sleep so doc wasn't no punk either doc knocks no, some people doc out always, yeah doc would throw hands yeah doc, doc hands. shout out doc yeah hands so uh you got hands but just yeah definitely just a missed opportunity i feel that was like kind of my one damn what the fuck were we thinking like when i look back on my career there's no way that we shouldn't have won at least one championship with that team yeah so round two your second go around with the spurs first one you win a championship contract negotiations don't go how you mm -hmm. want them to go you choose to keep it pushing. Mm -hmm. Get traded back there in 2012 from Milwaukee. Up 2-1. We up 2-1 against OKC or 3-1? Up 2-0 against OKC. Let you tell it. Tony Park was going for MVP. Yeah, I mean, you know, things was going smooth. Uh, we were playing together. First two games of that series um, were in San Antonio. We go up 2-0. Everybody's happy. Uh, um, I think me and Kawhi. We're playing decent defense on KD and James. You know, we were kind of holding them down. Shit just went south. Uh, we get we get to game three, and I, Tony Parker basically stopped trusting us. He was making real late passes. And give James Harden credit. He just turned it up. He went crazy. You know, he went crazy in some games. And, you know, KD was solid. KD was the best player, you know, on the floor almost every night. But we took him to game six uh, after, the, after they won 
three in a row, we in game six. And you can listen to the announcers. Tony Parker had Steven Jackson wide open. Uh, Tony Parker missed Steven Jackson again. Like, it's so obvious during the course of the year, you hear announcers say this. Like, I knew it. But people didn't, people didn't want to address Tony looking me off. So, well, I mean, what happened? You know what I mean? What, what, what was the disconnect with well, Tony? Well, I, th- I just think he, he, he became real selfish. You know, um, Tim was slowing down. He felt like he had to do more. Okay. But that wasn't the case. You, Ginobili was still good. You had Kawhi coming into his own. Mm-hmm. I was still able to knock down shots. So mm-hmm. I think he stopped trusting us. That's big. You know, I, 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 I even remember after game six, I'm sitting on the floor, me and Kawhi sitting side by side, and Tim can't put his hand on both of us because he know we played our ass off. And they know that Tony was forcing shit. And I can show you on film. You know what I'm saying? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's right, it's documented. But I remember sitting in the locker room and, and, and Pop came in the locker room and put his hand on, on my shoulder when me and Kawhi were sitting right there. He was like, we did everything we could. We just didn't trust each other. He didn't want to say, Tony didn't trust us. We destined, you know what I'm saying? Right. But we all knew when he said right. that, we all knew. Right. You know what I mean? And I could have had another championship. Mm. I could have had another another championship, mm. man. That year, we was uh, two games away from making it to the finals, and we was going to win that shit. So OKC eventually lost to Miami, right? In the finals, yeah. Okay. So following season, 2013, 55 games in the season right before. Really not playing. Huh. He throwing me in there garbage minutes and, you know, throwing me in and out, you know. And what what people don't know, Matt, and you know this, and they, they was doing this to Carmelo. I'm not saying I'm on Carmelo level. But scores and guys that play off rhythm and stuff, you can't throw them in four minutes in the third quarter and expect them to do an instant spark. You can't throw them in two minutes in the fourth quarter and expect them to throw an instant spark, like always be ready, and expect them to come out and play well. That's the situations they throw you in to make you look like you can't play. This is what they did Melo and got him out the way. So Pop was doing that to me the whole season. You know, he'll throw me in there. You know, I never know when I'm going to play, you know, and it was different from the year before. You know, I just came off playing well in the finals, in the West Carver's finals. Mm-hmm. So he was doing that all year, and I didn't understand, you know, why I wasn't just getting the opportunity to play. I was playing great in practice. I was busting my teammates' ass in practice. You know what I'm saying? You can ask Kawhi, they'll tell you. I had no reason not to be playing. The way he was playing me and the Spurs he was playing me, I couldn't play my best best basketball because I was, I'm was i a rhythm, rhythm guy. Timing. You know what I mean? And, and, and it didn't look good who, for a while. Who were you playing behind at the time? That was a young Kawhi. You were back Danny in, Green. Danny Green. Yep, and Ginobili. Ginobili. So we're back in the Oklahoma. I'm playing thing. behind all of them. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember you hit me on the bus. We was in New Orleans, and I seen you had just got released. I'm like, what the fuck? Right mm-hmm. before the playoffs. Yeah, I, you know, that shit was crazy, man. I remember coming out of practice. I had a great practice. You know how I practice. Mm-hmm. If I hit a three on somebody, bitch, you know what I'm saying? But it ain't personal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Get your ass up. That's how I'm talking. Right. I'm probably the only person in Spurs history that practiced like that. You know what I'm saying? Maybe Mario Elliott or somebody like that. You know what I'm saying? But I'm the only one in Spurs history that practiced like that. Tim was Tim loved it. Tim Duncan loved it. He loved the way I played and all that. You know what I'm saying? It scared people at, at the time. We had a point guard on the team. His last name was DeColo. He loved me. You know what I mean? But I hit a shot on him for, to, for game win at practice. And I'm like, get up, bitch. And Pop, like, I saw it. He didn't say nothing, but I saw his face like, come on, Jack. Like, But this is just how I play. I wasn't playing much, so my games was, was practices. Practice, right. You know what I mean? And this is just how I played. So I'm walking in the locker room. You know, I remember having, I'm having a great I'm feeling good. You know, uh, Tim coming and messing with me, like, great practice, boy, da, da, da. and as I'm in the locker room, one of the trainers come, like, Pop want to talk to you in the mm, film room. That's like getting called to the principal's office. But I'm not feeling that. I'm thinking he's going to tell me, great practice, you know, I'm going to play you, <laughs> da, 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 like, get your shit together, you know what I'm saying? Right. That's what I'm thinking. Right. I go in there, as soon as I go in, I see his face, kill my whole mood. I want to just 
kick him in his fucking face. When I saw his face, I just wanted to <laughs> kick the shit out of him because I know this is not going to go how I expect to. I expect it to. I sit down. He, he had play on the film screen. He got all the highlights of me fucking up in the last three to four games. My worst possessions. <laughs> Jack, you're not well, this playing well. you said he was throwing you in and out and you didn't have no yeah, rhythm. No yeah, yeah, yeah. He found my worst possessions of life. He probably found him when I was four years old, the worst possessions ever, and played them on the tape for me. And was like, uh, Jack, you haven't been playing well. Duh, duh, duh. I know you had a great practice today. I want to bring um, Danny Green and the Genova and the rest of these guys in. And I want you to admit that these guys are better than you because I'm going to play them going into the playoffs. He brought them in the office? No, he brought me in there and told me he was going to bring them in, the, in uh -huh. there for me to say that. This one thing about Pop, the smartest coach I've ever played for, he's calculated. Everything he does is calculated. I know this guy. I respect him too much. You know what I mean? I, I can never say nothing bad about him. He gave me my opportunity to win the All that stuff. I love Pop. He was like a father to me those years I was in San Antonio. But... He knew what my response was going to be before he asked me that question. Mm -hmm. So when he told me to, that he was going to bring the team in and wanted me to admit that Danny Green and, and, and Ginobili was better than me in front of the whole team to help their confidence going into the playoffs, I looked at him. I said, Pop, you know I ain't going to say that. You might as well give me the rest of my money. I'm getting the fuck up out of here. And I got up and walked out. Now listen, I got up and walked out. As I walked out, Tim, I see Tim on the, on the table. He was like, Jack, what's going on? I'm like, man, don't even worry about it. I'll holler at you later. You know what I'm saying? As, as I walk off. So this is how I, I always say I know how smart Pop is, and I know that everything he does is calculated. As I'm at home going to the house, I get a call from T-Mac. T-Mac flying in town, asking me, well, what's going on? He flying in. San Antonio flying him in. He coming in right now. So they had already was bringing T-Mac in. So he was trying to set up a way for you to, to, to let me down else, easy. So, so he, wanted me, he, he wanted me to set myself up by cut, saying that in front of the team. To cut yourself. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, but, but like I said, Pop knew the relationship we had. He had so much love for me. He couldn't come to terms with just saying, Jack, I got to release you. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't think the relationship we have, I don't, I don't think he wanted to do that. And that's why he tried to, he put me in that position. To cut yourself. Because he knew I was going to cut myself. Fuck no, I ain't saying, I'm not to this day. <laughs> Deontay Wilder, till this day, I ain't saying nobody better than me. You got to prove it. You know what I'm saying? And um, it ended bad. It ended bad. And they ended up losing to Miami. That's good for their ass. Because I would have got that rebound. You know what I'm saying? And the way I feel about Ray Allen, I would have made sure I locked his ass up. You know what I mean? So, but you know, shit happens for a reason. I don't, even think, I don't even think they played, really gave, gave T-Mac a chance to see nah, what he can do. I remember that. He, didn't, he was in and out briefly. But it was fucked up, you know what I'm saying? Because I was, and then he did that where I couldn't sign with another NBA team. Oh, yeah, no. You know, right that, before yeah. the playoffs where I could So he didn't want me to come back to hunt him. And I don't blame him because that was, was going to happen. I was going to come back and bust his ass. And he knew that, you know what I mean? But that, it was just fucked up how it happened. And, and, that, and I never played in the NBA after that. It's a cold business because... That the, the business of the business behind the scenes is dirty, you know what I mean? And then it almost, without knowing the whole story, you know, Pop is what he is. You yeah. know, are going to be arguably one of the greatest coaches, if not the greatest coaches ever. So if you can't make it work with Pop, pe people really start thinking you're a problem. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So then, like you said, after that, you never play in the NBA again. Yep, I, I, that little bullshit stint with the a month, a couple weeks with the with the Clips, and that was it. But anytime you get cut right before the playoffs. That looks bad to every team. 
You know what I'm saying? That looks bad to every team. And and to be cut from the Spurs yeah, that's, that's, right before the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? And 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 I think, Matt, that's what hurt me more than anything. The relationship me and Pop had, like, as smart as he is, this is ruining me, Pop. Like, regardless how you feel about me, what you're trying to do to win games, this is, this is fucking up my career. You know what I mean? And I, I don't think he never thought about that. You know what I'm saying? But I but I I I heard somebody ask him about it and he said he regret how he handled that. You know what I'm saying? Which which I respect because right. you know, I had a lot of game left. You know, mm-hmm. I had to go punish the big three the next couple of years because I you know, if Pop say you don't belong in the league, trust me, a lot mm-hmm. of teams are gonna be like, You don't belong in the league. It's tough, tough way to go out. For my career, I mean we've had like I said, very similar paths. Um I bounced around until I really felt like you know, there was one particular situation where I felt like, okay, damn, I've arrived. I'm an NBA player. I'm here to stay. You touched on that early on in, in, in your uh, your run for the finals with San Antonio the first time in 2003. What was that moment where you felt like, okay, fuck, I'm here now. I'm here to stay. Let, let's set up shop. When we landed in Seattle, I had my family, I, a, lot of, a big part of my family lives in Seattle. And they had a. Uh, I, I think missed I, it. Not to cut you off, I missed the NBA nonsense. I used to love Seattle. But remember. Did we go? Did we play in Seattle? Mm-hmm. You remember uh, my family restaurant, Catfish Corner? That I took oh, the team yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the that day was my first time meeting my family when I was playing with San Antonio in the NBA, and I had them come to the game. Mm-hmm. I was having them come to the game, so I brought the whole team. That David Robinson went eight the day before the game. That's dope. The two weeks before that, I've been playing well. I was coming off the bench. I was playing well. I was averaging like shit, 16, 17 off the bench. And uh, Pop was starting to play me more and more and more. This is one reason why I love Pop, because this opportunity that he gave me. We go to shoot around, and the next, and I, we go back to the hotel after shoot around, and Pop calls me up to his room. You know, it's, it's the principal office feeling. I had went out the night before and got into some shit with Rashard Lewis. Well, we ended up getting into a little fight at the club, and it never hit the media. Shout out to Rashard Lewis. We did some crazy shit that's that pre, night. That, that's free social media, though. Hey, you can get away with that. social o- media. O- hey, three. No, listen. If social media was there, it the shit we did rap. that night, oh, we was in jail. Easy. <laughs> we was in jail. We was in jail. We were squabbing that night. So I'm automatically thinking this thing came out, right? Mm, so that's what you think when you. Had I didn't hear nothing that out. shoot around, but when I go, you know, when I get back to my room, he called me to his room. So this is automatically what I'm thinking about. I get to his room. Tim in there. So I'm like, oh shit! But Tim, Tim whole vibe was, you know, Wolfpack. All the shit he be doing, cause you know we played paintball together. We had a team <laughs> called the Wolfpack. So he doing his little Wolfpack shit. <laughs> so that kind of you know helped me out a little bit. So when I sit down, pop like, you didn't do nothing wrong, cause I'm sitting there like, Fuck. we always feel guilty. <laughs> what? No, I, I, I didn't don't give a fuck. I'm just black man. We right. feel guilty right. all the time. Right. Fuck. You know what I mean? Motherfuckers ask me why I don't skate, cause shit, I've been skating on thin ice my whole life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> But uh, I sit down, Pop was like, Jackie, all right, you know, you didn't do nothing. He's like, you've been playing well. Uh, I talked to Tim. I think it's time that we start you. We're going to put you in the starting lineup. Who was starting at the time? Steve Smith. OG oh, Steve OG. Smith. And at the time, he was my big brother. Like, he was everything to me on that team. Taught me everything. He showed me how to get loose for the game, how to dress wet suits, how to be a professional, everything about it, how to, how to pregame, everything. He taught me everything. And him and his wife, at the time, you know, that was my third year in the league, so... Him and his wife were like my big brother and big sister. They used to invite me over to cook for me and all kind of stuff, make sure I had stuff at the house. When he told me that, I was excited, but my whole time thinking, damn, I'm gonna tell the OG that, you know what I'm saying, I done took his spot. That's not my intentions, but I'm, you know, I'm just trying to play. I'm just trying to hoop. So when he tell me that, it's it's a bittersweet feeling. So um, I'm excited, but um, when I get to the game, 
you know, we talking about feeling like I, I belong. When I get to the game, I walk in the locker room and I see Steve Smith and his, our locker's right by each other all the time. And I'm trying to sneak by him. So, because I don't want to address it. You know what I'm saying? And, I, and he felt it. Right. Because normally I'm in the OG, what's up? You know what I'm saying? So I, as I was sneaking by him, he uh, turned around like, he's like, young fella, as we call him, you know, I was like, young fella, this ain't personal between me and you. That's dope. Go out there, do what you've been doing. This ain't personal between you. We know what's going on. I'm rooting for you. I'm your biggest fan, just like you've been mine. That's that gave me the feeling like I belong. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Like now I'm up in the start. Especially someone like Steve Smith you gave me the okay. Mm-hmm. I belong. Telling me I, I, I he's he like you've been playing well. You deserve to be starting. Mm-hmm. That that moment, you know what I'm saying? Okay, I belong here. You know That's what I'm saying? What's up. And, I, and I owe that to Steve Smith. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. That's what's up. My situation was, I mean, I bounced around um, team to team. Didn't get a chance to really play. You Do you remember I mean? how many teams you tried out for before you got a job? Two. Oh, it was only two. I didn't get my, my like my so my second round draft pick. Mm-hmm. Drafted, traded draft day. So I'm traded. I drafted to Memphis, traded to Cleveland. John Lucas was head coach. Didn't really get a chance. Cut early on in the process. Go to the D League for the whole year. Grind. Run into another coach's son's position. I get hurt. The coach's son takes my spot. So then I'm spotting playing in the D-League, so Coach I'm like, fuck it. I'm not doing the D-League shit again, so then I go to this ABA, where we're playing motherfucking games in Mexico, Coach and son, all kinds of shit. 
And uh, that's when I actually played with Dennis Rahman for like two weeks. <laughs> How was that? I only got to play with that's, him two that's weeks. Another story. That's another so I, I didn't get a chance to fuck with bro like I wanted to, but I, you know, then I get called up to the Clippers, have a cool little run, start playing on a 10-day, get two 10-days, I'm signed. But this is right at the beginning when Sacramento and the Kings, uh, Sacramento Kings versus the Lakers is like a big rivalry. So I'm always going home in the summer fucking with C-Webb and Jay will and working out with these dudes. So I'm just like, fuck. I would be working out at Arco the whole summer, and then Rick Adamans is like, you know, what do you got going on? It's like it's kind of up in the air. I knew we were talking to going back to the Clippers for a two-year deal, but I was like, shit, if I can go home and play with my hometown team while they're dope, it's a no-brainer. So I end up signing a deal in SAC. Uh, Season doesn't start off the way it's supposed to. They ended up trading Chris Webber, and I was just a throw-in. So I go with Webb to Philly. Two and a half years, don't really get a chance to play. It's when I run into punk-ass Mo Cheeks and have all this built-up fire and hostility just because I haven't got a chance to play. I think there's so many people that just don't get a chance to play and they get washed out the league. So mm-hmm. I'm coming into the 2006 season, working out for football in the summertime because my brother played football, still working out basketball, but like, fuck it, I'm going to try to make a jump to the NFL. We had lined up some NFL tryouts um, for me if this basketball thing didn't work. Then Baron Davis hits me like, yo, we're, we got open gym down here in Oakland today if you want to play. I was in Sacramento, so I you know, just happened to drive down, put, made that little push down to the bay. Play in this open gym, um, play well, not knowing that Nelly was upstairs and watched us. So when we're done, Nelly comes down, puts his arm around me like, hey, you know, what do you got going on? Where are you going to camp at this year? I'm like, shit, I don't know. I don't have a job. And he's just like, okay, well, I can't promise you anything. You know, we got 16 guarantees already. We're going to invite a few people to come to camp just to fill out the roster. Like, I can't promise you a spot, but if you play like you played today, I'm going to give you a chance. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, shit, this is the first time a coach has had that, like, enough time to even talk to me, really recognize me. But it almost sounded like, you know, he just gave me that little bit of confidence that I needed. So I go into camp, do what I got to do. They end up cutting two dudes, cut the dudes they just brought to camp, and I make the team. So I start off on the bench and kind of work my way into playing and then playing a lot. And there was a little run there. I got hot. I had like two or three games in a row where I was over 20, if I'm not mistaken. And we come down in one city, and you know how much Nelly smoked. I didn't have a sweatshirt, and it was cold. Nelly tried to give me his dusty-ass jacket that smelled like a, a pound of motherfucking cigars. So, Matt, wear this shit. Like, lucky. I'm like, I'm cool, <laughs> but he almost like bullied me into wearing it. You know what I mean? So I sat there and just wore his little uh, nasty-ass little smoke jacket. <laughs> but they, it was like right there. Like this is the first time that a coach is like fucking with me and really giving me attention and showing that he believed in me. And that little bit of confidence was all I needed, you know? And then shortly after that is when you guys got traded to our team. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew I had another smoking buddy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we made history in that three, two and a half month span. But that's really after, you know, almost bouncing around for four to five seasons. That's where I knew I was like, okay, and, you know, that's when we made this We Believe run. Uh, you know, I'm starting to become a household name. You couldn't tell us that even though it was only the first round, we didn't win, felt like we won the championship. Nah, man. You know, we was rock really star. did that for all yeah, of us. Yeah, we was he rock made star us all now. feel like we belonged. But you know what the crazy part was, was it was a bittersweet situation with Nelly because in similar with you with Pop, like even though they really gave us our first opportunity. They took it from us too. They took it from us too. And people don't know, like my shit was fucked up. So I come off this We Believe season. So basically I was out, about to be out the NBA. Nelly gives me a chance, play well. So I started hearing, okay, hey, man, you about to get this 20, you know, 25, $30 million contract. You know, you need to get a bigger name agent. So I fire my agent. I'm just listening to all the hype. Fire my agent, whatever. Get a different agent. I heard there was a deal that he dropped the ball on. So then it comes back to where Nelly is offering me a, a three-year, 
12 million dollar deal so i'm just thinking like damn that's low you know how you was thinking right. pop offered you the three-year nine million i'm just like after what i did and you know how that now i finally get a chance to play like i know i could be making more so i ultimately turned that deal down and the rest of free agency is getting watered down and the, the money's drying up so then i end up taking a one-year four million dollar offer looking back on it after the fact I saw it a lot clearly, but at the time, I'm just like, I'm looking at it as just give me this one-year deal, I'm going to audition, and then I'm going to get a big payday. Mm -hmm. Not knowing that that next season is when my mom dies right at the beginning of the season, right. the two, that, that following the We Believe season, she dies, no, diagnosed with cancer November 1st, dies November 27th, so within the first 26 days of the season, my mom dies, so my season is shot. But I, what I remember was, you know, just trying to get that magic back. And you guys were there helping me, trying to gas me up and get me going. And, like, nothing was happening. So I remember I kind of started feeling better. I was practicing better. Nellie pulls me to the side out in the back where he used to smoke in the parking lot and tells me straight to my face, I respected it, but I wanted to knock his old ass out. He said, I'm glad you didn't sign your long-term deal here. Your time here is up. And I'm like, hold up, motherfucker. I just battled through all this shit. You know my mom just died. I played the day after my mom died. And you got the motherfucking audacity to tell me that my time up is here. So, I mean, I'm just thinking all this shit in my head. I shook my head said, okay. And that motherfucker stuck to his word. Didn't play me at all anymore. And that was kind of like the end of my run in my season. So, although I owe a lot to Nelly initially... Because he gave me my opportunity, he also snatched that shift right from underneath me too. At the same time, and similar in your situation, he traded me too. Though it's just funny how he trades you though. Yeah, knocked on my door in Milwaukee. <laughs> knocked on my door, smoking a cigar with a beer early in the morning. Jack, how you doing this morning? Don't even come in my room. You don't want to be here. I'm gonna send you to Charlotte, right? <laughs> Stay in touch, my boy. He gave me a hug and all right. that and just walked off like, you were, like his you, you were like his favorite, though. That was like, my guy. You negotiated your own contract with him. Yes, I did. Tell me about that. Uh, well, uh, well, it wasn't with him. It was with Bobby. Yeah. I was had two years left on my contract. Um, I think I'm probably the only person to negotiate a three-year extension with no college education. <laughs> barely a high school education. With barely a high school <laughs> education. Do I, did I get my diploma? Did I graduate high school? I did. I I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to fact you check look into that. Yeah, um, but what was I talking about? Getting your own contract. You work yeah, your own so, contract. So I, I take Bobby. Well, actually, shout out to Nita. Nita preps me. Mm -hmm. That's the homie. Oh, yeah, so yeah. she preps. She t you know because I didn't want to get no agent. She like you know Nita like Nita really believed in me, bro. Like she helped me do a lot of stuff when I was there. And my mom and her are still good friends. But she's like, you don't need no agent. You can represent yourself. You know what you worth. Can't nobody tell you what you worth better than you. I'm like. It kind of makes sense, Nita. Like, all you got to do is show your numbers, your stats, and compare them to what everybody else is making in their stats and just see what he says. It's just a conversation. Take him to dinner. You know, uh, we have a conversation. We're drinking a little bit, and I do exactly what she say, bro. Slide the uh, stat sheet. I slide the stat sheet to him. All the players in my stats. I'm at the top. Mike Red and all of them. My stats killing theirs. That's the issue to make the They making game. dubs. Mm -hmm. They making 20. You know what I mean? I'm like, I just want 10. I just want 10 a year. I want three years, 30 million. That's all I want. You see what I'm doing? It's only fat. It's only right. I got two years left on my deal. So I'm just at the crap table shooting. You got it, Jack. You got it. That was it. Bro, I'm talking about, but as soon as he said, I'm texting Nita. We got it. We got it. We got it on the phone. <laughs> and I couldn't believe it, bro. But for what we done, 
for that year, I think we all deserved something. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? We had all deserved. And I was the last one there, me and Monte. Yeah. We was the last ones, you know what I'm saying? And and he saw how I was feeling with all y'all leaving. You know and what I'm saying? That's when Steph came in too, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah. But that's when I told him I wanted to get traded right after, right after when Steph came. And Monte didn't like it either. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? But if I would, I, my dumb ass, if I'd have known this Chef Curry, I would have stayed there. And, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, whatever. Fuck. I wish I would have known Chef Curry was gonna be Chef Curry, bro. But shout out to Nita again, man. I was I was able to negotiate. I just had confidence to sit down with him and negotiate that contract. But the same GM, the Bobby that gave me my uh, contract, lied on me too a year later to Monte. Oh, really? Yeah, and and I and. Our relationship ain't been the same since. You know, years has passed. You know, we go back a lot to Golden State for the mm -hmm. games. And somebody that still works in the organization told me that Bobby told him that I told him how he hurt his ankle. Oh, how he was on his own. Moped. Mm -hmm. Really? When I left, yeah. Bobby told him that. And our relationship has never been the same. That's some crazy since, shit. Yeah, weak-ass Bobby. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that, that shit was weak. That shit was weak. <laughs> he was doing that because he was mad. Because I asked to get traded after I got the extension. Right, so right. that's what his way is getting. I'm like, that's bullshit. You know, you know what, what I mean? would be a, a, a dope thing. Shout out Monte. I love you, bro. Little homie. Tony That's our little brother. He didn't have no tattoos. Zero. Nothing when we met That him. one night, we went to Sacramento, remember? <laughs> we was up in there getting blowed, and I had my tattoo artist he come in and put that. Nothing. I, I had my tattoo artist tattoo this same tattoo and the same. Remember how much he was sweating when he yes, was getting tattooed? We was in there drinking, smoking, laughing. He was in there sweating like a motherfucker. He came back the next season. More Whole tattoos body, than all legs, of us. back, chest, everything. Like, bro, you just went in. He young, got more tattoos than all of them. Young Monte. But you know, I think what would be dope is the behind, like stories like this. Like, every the, the 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 our fans only get to see, you know, the finished product. So and so signs for this. So and so signs for that. They don't know the ins and outs of the other deals that fail, that the agents fuck up, that mm -hmm. the GM lies on you. They cut you. They trade you. Like I said, they only see the, the bottom line on ESPN. So and so signed here. But I think it would be a dope if we can get like a collection of like crazy ass cut stories, trade stories, mm -hmm. contract fuck ups, like. The real stories. But since we own this, Golden State, we got to do the We Believe. Oh, yeah, we definitely got to do the We Believe. We get all us in here and talk about Showtime. those stories. You got to fly me, Jack. Who else do we need to go? Who me, do? you, Monte, Al, Baron. To Maui. Jay Rich. Jay Rich to Maui to sit down on Nelly's uh, cannabis farm. Maui, he got Maui, Maui, Wowie. Maui, It's called Nelly Kush. And we got to go out there and tell this We Believe story, man, because when we tell y'all legendary nights. He invited us out. He wants to come and try his product. And that'll be the perfect time to, to talk about old memories. I love and to try Him products. and Al have some stuff to hash we out, too. We can hash it out. Yeah. yeah Al didn't Al. like him. You know what I mean? Like it, it was a fallout with a couple of us. But, but like wait, said, wouldn't you be mad if he had you going, y'all mean? I was mad <laughs> He had as Al going all of the was We were small, but Al was our biggest dude. He was our big man, Like, like me and you were playing a four or five at the time. Like, there's no way. Uh, we're six, eight. Like, we found a way to slow down Dirk, but motherfucking Yao was seven what? It was a, well. It was a game with me and you was guarding Okur and Boozer. Yeah, at the four or five, me and you. Them out, both them dudes outweigh us by sixty pounds, and we still had our own. That motherfucking rest cheated. Fuck y'all. Yeah, y'all gotta guard us too, though. Straight up. All right, man. That's a wrap. Episode seven. All the smoke. Siete. With my brother Jack. Man, stay tuned, man. We got a hell of a lineup coming for y'all in December. Got some uh, NBA legends coming through, and some other creative people in the space that uh, we're really excited to bring you, man. So thank you. For tuning in, man, you can catch us on Showtime Basketball YouTube channel and all platforms streaming podcasts. All of them. How many? All of them. We'll see y'all later. Peace. Jamal 
Charlo says he wants to be the king of the jungle. There's no way you can tame a lion. And that's me. And that's me. versus Dennis Hogan for the middleweight championship on Showtime. Prevnar 20 shot, it's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk, get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.